Hello, and welcome back to But I'm a Professional. This is a podcast where we learn ways to improve our professional selves, our professional spaces, our professional interactions by applying evidence-based recommendations from organizational psychology. I'm your host, Nancy Elizabeth, and I'm here to help you. Come on in, professionals. Let's get started. Yes, what are we talking about today, dear professionals? Uh, the limitation of a label. Well, perhaps I should start, as I often do, by telling you where the inspiration for this episode came from. Um, it came from the most unfortunate of circumstances, whereby I find myself on LinkedIn more and more recently. Um, unfortunately, I'm, well, not unfortunately, I am elbow deep in the shaping of my, uh, master's research project. And a part of that has required me to spend more time on LinkedIn than I would like. And the amount of time I would like to spend on LinkedIn is zero because I don't like it. Anyway, having, having to spend more time in that space has, um, done a few things. And one of those things it is it has reminded me how how certain um tools question mark are are uh, sold and used and applied and um make people think that it's it's giving them information when actually it isn't it's it's sort of either doing nothing or standing in the way um so that's why, that's why I decided to do this podcast episode. Um, when I talk about labels, I'm, I'm talking about when people use nouns to sort of describe or summarize their personality in a word or, or a phrase. So, you know, back to LinkedIn again, I often see posts of, of, of things. Um, somebody said something to the effect of, you know, I'm, I'm yellow or, um, you know, Oh, such a Scorpio or, um, or, or my, my bets noir, enorm, my personal, uh, annoyance, the Briggs Myers, some, you know, reference to that. Anyway, I just, I think when I see those things that, um, there, there's a different way that people interact with them. Some people just, you know, sort of think it's fun to move on, but some people actually try to apply them in workspaces and it, and it really, really bothers me. And so that's why and I'm going to explain why and why I think it's, it's not useful, um, in this episode. Okay. So actually maybe that's a good place to start. Maybe let's start from the position of, um, you know, who cares? What's the harm? Let, let people have their fun. And I would like to say that I am, I am not interested in taking your fun away from you. However, on this podcast, I am interested in not participating in the confusing of something that is vaguely amusing with something that is useful, scientifically supported knowledge for the workplace. Those are two very, very different things. And I don't I don't wish to, um, 
I don't wish to participate in the continued confusion of those two things. Okay. Um, I think the other thing to bear in mind in spaces like that, when people are like, ah, who cares? Just, you know, just let people have their fun is, um, what happened? What's that? What's that quote? Um, the enemy of knowledge is not ignorance. The enemy of knowledge is the illusion of knowledge. And so the idea that you're not, it's not necessarily that whatever the label is, is inherently problematic. The problem is if you're using that as some sort of knowledge and then that space is occupied. So something that is actually useful and helpful and skillful can't occupy that space. Right. So that's why, that's why I think it's worthy of addressing. Yeah. I mean, speaking of, of, you know, useful knowledge, there's, there's so much, there's so much available, so much knowledge to be gained in better understanding ourselves. Um, and then that understanding of self being applied in the workplace, but labels in particular, they're, they're in that illusion of knowledge category, because when you take on a label, when one takes on a label, one takes on what they think that label means they are air quotes. Yeah. It's like some essential, um, DNA level part of you. Okay. Uh, let's think of a, a, an example, a really broad example. If for example, you think that you struggle to be focused because you are a, I don't know, fill in the blank with a label. I'm such a blah. I can't focus very well. Okay. So if you think that, then you probably will. Uh, struggle to be focused. Okay. Because whenever you encounter that behavior uh, or that response or that reaction, whatever it is, you know, you've, you've decided that that's because of that label that you are air quotes again. And so, you know, you just keep participating in that behavior and that behavior keeps happening. Right. And, and that's what I'm talking about. That's the limitation because really what science tells us is that Brains have plasticity, right? They can modify, they can change, they can adapt. Um, science also tells us that behavior is learned. And so if behavior is learned, it can also be unlearned. Um, and new behavior can be learned and put in its place. Um, science tells us that perception and and what your brain thinks is true is, is hugely susceptible to a long list of biases, okay? And, and all of that's fine. That's, that just means you're human. That's great. The trouble is when we start to, you know, like believe something that is maybe a bias or just filling in a blank or, um, you know, something that is, is entirely not a structural part of you, but entirely due to participation. I think that you can't change it. And I just think, I don't think that's creating a space where you can flourish or, if you think about other people that way, it's not creating a space where they can flourish, right? So that's why, you know, it, yes, okay, fine. It can be fun, but also it can be a huge limitation. And we are not here for that professionals. We are not here to set limitations on ourselves and to impose limitations on others. Mm -mm. We are growing, we are evolving, we are thriving. Okay. So that's what I mean when I say the limitation of a label, and that's what we're trying to get away from in today's episode. Similarly, we are trying to identify how that limitation is 
or rather how those labels are um, getting in the way of growth and development and evolution in our professional lives and what we can do in place of, uh, in, in, you know, engaging in that, that type of thing. Okay. So let's shift our focus to, to more specifics about what's this got to do with, you know, the professional side of my development. After all, that's why you're here. So let's shift our focus to the um, connection of this topic uh, into the professional development space. Okay. And I want to focus on a couple of reasons why I think this is worthy of uh, discussion um, when it comes to your professional development. So reason the first, um, the limitation of, of labels impacts job selection more than it ought to in a lot of business. And those of those of us who are on the hiring side, whether you're in HR uh, fully or you just you sit on um, job selection panels sometimes, um, and those on the other side uh, trying to get hired, both of us participate in the sort of perpetuation of label creation and maintenance and um, what I mean is, you know, when you come into a new role and you, and you have that I'm a fill in the blank mindset, you're coming in with a mindset that is limiting and you're missing opportunities to, to grow and evolve when you come into that new role. Yeah. Similarly, um, when we're hiring people, when we're, we're, um, given that responsibility and we apply, we apply a label to somebody that we're um, hiring or we're potentially going to hire, even when we're doing it subconsciously. Again, that is a limiting mindset. You are putting a limitation on them and a missed, potentially a missed opportunity. I mean, sometimes it leads to us hiring the wrong people because we put a lot of weight on that thing um, rather than, um, you know, putting more weight on, do we actually have good systems in place whereby we can hire we can hire a huge range of people and they can come into our organization that is, um, that has good learning in place and that can, um, support and develop people really well and, and effectively. Right. And so what I mean by that is, um, during that, that hiring stage, you know, putting the emphasis on, um, some kind of, of testing that hasn't, doesn't have the science um, behind it to, to back it up is not actually fixing your problem of hiring people that aren't good for the jobs that, um, that they eventually wind up doing, right? Your problem isn't in, in that area. Your problem is, your problem isn't because you've hired the wrong personality. Your problem is because your organization doesn't have the learning built in that it needs to have in order to support people developing into the spaces that they need to. Yeah. But until you recognize that, then you're never going to fix the problem. Okay. So that's, that's one huge reason. Yeah. Um, another reason that we might want to be a little less professionally interested in, um, falling victim to, to labels is because of the organizational cultural aspect of things. 
right? Okay, so, you know, coming back to that um, learning organization, all learning, all organizations need to be learning organizations in order to succeed, all of them, okay? It doesn't mean they are, it just means that's how that happens. Um, but you can't have a learning organization that does so effectively anyway, when you are busy engaging in the illusion of knowledge rather than actual application of knowledge, okay? And you equally can't have a good, uh, an effective learning organization when you are engaging within the limitation of a fixed mindset, right? So, you know, part of, of an organization's culture um, can be found in its underlying assumptions, right? So these underlying assumptions are the things that are probably a bit difficult to describe about your culture, about your, your organization, but, but everybody who works there knows, knows about that thing. Um, they're the, the kinds of things that, um, that you have to know in order to fit in, uh, in the organization, right? So if one of those things is uh, a fixed mindset, if, if that's part of the un one of the underlying assumptions of the culture, then when change inevitably visits your organization, and it will, um, you know, it does, it'll, it'll be unnecessarily painful to, to put that change into place. And there will be a, um, more resistance than there needs to be, and people will be... Um, less less open and less willing to engage in stuff like that because of that fixed mindset because of that i'm a whatever or we are a whatever you know that limitation right it's very very what's the word stifling no not stifling restrictive very restrictive you can't move any sense right and i suppose if you're thinking well i don't really work in in um a position in my current my current role isn't um you know, the sort of role where I can impose a lot of change or I can, I can, you know, switch the organization's culture. Okay. You know, fine. Fair enough. Um, but if we want to think about this on an individual level as well, um, th th just, you know, you can even think of this very selfishly. Change will similarly be far more challenging than it ever needs to be. If one of your reactions is often, I can't do something because I am a, right? Or I always do things this way because I am a, yeah? So I just, I want us to get a, get away from this very, um, this inhibiting way of approaching how you understand your professional self. Um, I think it's really unkind as well to, to hold yourself back from, from, you know, the potential that you, you have that you don't even know about yet. So let us not do that. Let's do something else instead. At which point you're asking, well, what do I do? Well, that's a very good question. Let's talk about things that we can do instead. Okay, so so what do we do rather than taking these um, junk personality tests at work to learn about ourselves? I mean, I should say something. Not all personality tests are created equal. Um, I think I mentioned off the top of the episode, Briggs-Myers is particularly trash, but 
anything that um, any of the tests that measure things on a continuum has much better science behind it, like um, Big Five. Uh, another one is Hexaco, which uses six rather than uh, five personality traits. But the point is those those types of tests understand that um, humanality, human personality is to be measured on continuums, not uh, in discrete categories. And that's, that's very, very different. Um, I don't want this episode to turn into a lecture on the, you know, how to collect data and, you know, best analyze it. Da, da, da. This is not a statistics uh, podcast episode. Can you imagine? Um, this is just to say that not all personality tests are created equal. And if you are going to bother with one, try to go with what, uh, go find one that has, um, yeah, the continuums in it. Um, also find one that has strong internal consistency. Okay. Enough, st- enough stats, right? Let's, let's refocus on what we're trying to do here. And that is, we are trying to identify things that we can practically do that are actually useful in better understanding ourselves so that we may function better in our professional spaces. Okay. Okay. Now, I think the best way to approach this in, in this particular episode on this particular topic is to do a beginner approach, a, uh, an intermediate approach and an advanced approach, right? Taking back to my language teaching days, whoop, whoop. Um, so let's start at at the beginner level. If a beginner is, you are a beginner, if you are new to the idea that putting a label on yourself can be a a, a limitation or putting labels on others can be a limitation. Um, you are a beginner if you are in the habit, uh, of referring to yourself as a label a lot of the time. So if that is you, that sounds like you start at this level. Okay. Uh, step one. Take any sort of insight, as it were, or any knowledge you may feel you've gained from taking um, a personality test that has those discrete categories. If you had to do that at work, take take that um, outcome with it, the biggest grain of salt that you can find. Okay. Um, it may have been fun and it may have, you know, caused some conversation and that's all fine. But it is unlikely that uh, that outcome is as insightful as whoever was giving it to you told you that it was, right? And if you have somebody who's managing you that then use that to inform how everybody's going to talk to each other or how everybody's going to communicate or work together or form teams or whatever it is, I, I mean, you know, I'm not suggesting that you sort of um, start a revolution. Although that would be cool. That would be badass. And I do support that. Um, what I'm saying is just, yeah, grains of salt, grains of salt all over the place. Um, I think as well in that space, you know, if you catch yourself, if you're in the habit of referring to yourself by a label, then get into the habit of, of actively reframing that out loud um, so that you can support the, the breaking of that habit and that breaking of that way of thinking about yourself. Um, and then, you know, it makes space for something new to, to, to fill in the blank. So that's, that's one grain of salt, um, and, and getting away from the habit of it. Um, 
Number two, if you haven't already, uh, and if you're in this category, you likely haven't learned about the concept of growth mindset. Okay. And identify a space in your current role where you can apply that framework. So just really quickly, growth mindset is the um, opposite of what I was talking about before, fixed mindset, right? And growth mindset understands us, understands humans as having skills and abilities that can be developed over time through learning, through effort, through support, through persistence, all of these things. Okay. So it's the opposite of that, that fixed mindset where you think that, you know, some people are just talented and, and know how to do this thing and intelligent and that's it. And there's no effort in it and there's no, um, there's no learning in it. And there's no, you know, it's just, it just, it's there. It's not there. Uh, no, a growth mindset is the other side of that. It's the, you know, I can learn, I just need time. I need the right support. I need the right tools. Um, I can, I can change, I can evolve. Um, you know, there, there's a challenge, but I can overcome it. I just, I need the right things in place and you know, that kind of thing. That's what a growth mindset is. We're trying to identify a space in your current role where you can apply that, right? So for example, um, can you think of something right now recently where you went wrong on something? You did something wrong, right? So identify that first, acknowledge that first of all, that you did something wrong. Then, then from that, identify um, something that is a challenge, right? Something that's a difficulty and that's perhaps why it went wrong. Coming out of that, reassemble that challenge into an opportunity right? This is your learning opportunity because it's a challenge. You need to learn something. You need to improve on something. And then after that, find the support, find the things that you need in order to learn how to do better the next time that challenge stroke opportunity comes along, right? So that you don't keep repeating the same thing. You don't stay in the same place, right? That's how, um, that's how you'll grow as uncomfortable as it is. So yes, beginners out there, um, break yourself away from, from the, the limited fixed mindset, learn about the growth mindset and try to think about, um, ways that you can apply that in your role currently. Okay. All right. Next level, intermediate level. Who is intermediate? You are intermediate if you... This, by the way, I'm making all this up. I'm not making it up. This is my personal breakdown of categories to try to help you start in the right place um, in your development. Intermediate in this instance is um, somebody who doesn't bother with those labels very much. I mean, maybe you did it because you had to on your last sort of teen day or whatever it was, um, but you're not, you know, you don't sort of carry it with you. You know what I mean? Um, but equally, you don't really engage very much in self-development and you sort of, you know, just let things happen um, and aren't really uh, active in that space, proactive in, in that space. Okay. So what should you do? Well, I think, first of all, you should set aside time and energy in your work week. And I'm talking blocking out an hour in your diary, in your calendar, where... 
you're not available for meetings, you're not available to be interrupted, whatever it is, um, you can call it whatever you want in your, uh, in your calendar, but you devote that hour every week to your, um, personal stroke professional development. Okay. And in that space, a good place to start, if you haven't done this already is to improve the competencies of self management. That means improving your uh, emotional self-control, your adaptability, your achievement orientation, your positive outlook. Okay. Those are the four, um, competencies of self-management. And if you haven't done them or it's been some time, uh, get back at them again. Yeah. This, when you focus your development in these areas of, of self-management, you will have real measurable positive outcomes and not, you know, just some at the end of it, some label that you can't do very much with. All right. Um, I have done episodes on all of these things, uh, but equally there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of free resources out there that are all very good. Um, anything by, uh, Daniel Goleman or anything by Boyatzi's, is that how you say his name? Hope so. Anyway, um, yeah, there's there's a, a lot out there that's available for you. Um, just really quickly, as a reminder, uh, or per, uh, perhaps the first time, um, those competencies, emotional self-control means getting better at um, experiencing emotions without having them entirely take over a situation and often getting better at experiencing negative emotions like, um, uh, you know, stressful uh, situations don't make you completely lose your cool. Okay. So finding, um, activities and, um, uh, ways of working on that. Adaptability is learning how to handle change better and to cope with multiple demands and to adapt to new situations. Um, it's also about learning about how to adjust, how you can um, adjust to, to achieve goals um, when you come up against, you know, obstacles. Um, Achievement orientation is about finding ways to do things better, um, setting more challenging goals and taking risks that are, that are well calculated, um, and worth it. Um, it's around identifying, um, and meeting, um, a, a better standard of excellence really. Um, and positive outlook is the ability to see positive aspects of, of situations, of people, of events, um, which isn't the, you know, not the saccharine, um, uh, just look on the bright side. It's, it's looking at the complexity of things, right. And, and seeing where is the positive in here, where is the opportunity in here, where, you know, um, how can I develop a persistence when I, I encounter an inevitable obstacle or setback when I'm trying to achieve my goals, that type of thing. Okay. So that's a very, very good step one for an intermediate level, uh, person. Okay. Another thing that you can do if you're 
if you're the type of person who doesn't really care about labels or whatever, but also you're not really engaging in much self-development right now, another thing you can do is consider if you're, if you're in a management position or if you're hiring people or if you're leading people, basically anything to do with people, apply the very hard one, um, and hard, uh, scrutinized evidence from, from organizational psychology, um, to actually improve the people that you're, you're leading or managing or hiring or whatever it is. Okay. Uh, so some useful examples of this are things like, well, the stuff that I talked about before, first of all, if you're going to bother with a personality test at all, get one that's actually got some decent science to, to back it up. Um, the big five is, is one of them. Hexaco is another one. Um, also, you know, bear in mind that, that job selection outcomes are often, uh, well aligned with um, a candidate demonstrating a high level of conscientiousness. So if you have something that measures that, that's much more useful than any other personality test. Um, also if people do well on like a basic general, they used to be called general mental ability tests, but that's changed now to general cognitive ability tests. So if somebody does well on that and, um, does well on conscientiousness testing and, um, interviews well in, um, uh, behavior, uh, testing interview questions. Great. And again, it's more about like when they come into, they come into the role and come into the organization, does that organization, does that role, does, does, is all that part of a, um, a setup that, that supports and, and, facilitates and encourages and allows for learning to happen because if it doesn't it doesn't matter who you hire they are going to struggle okay so yes think about in in your position of management and your position of leading and your position of hiring how you can how you can have those things um built into how you how you lead people how you manage people and how you hire people okay Right. Advanced. You are advanced if you are, if you're an old hand at all this, you know, you've, you've done the emotional intelligence development. You've, um, you've got your, your self-management under control. You are thriving. You're doing great. Um, you think critically about labels and about all that sort of thing and you, and you know, can, can listen to and apply, um, the, the evidence-based research coming out of organizational psychology when it comes to managing people, you've got, you've got all that under control, right? You're advanced. This none of this is news to you. In fact, I don't know why you're still listening. Thanks for listening. Um, so what can you do or what can you aspire to? I think at this stage, we need to start considering lessons from, you know, that thing that happens when you see a collision of, you know, ancient religion meets philosophy meets um, current Western psychology uh, outcomes of research. And you think, oh, then there must be something worthy of paying attention to here. 
one of these things um, is the the idea and the concept of of the self, capital S, self. Anything with an S is hard for me to say. So what I want us to do here is consider consider the space where that philosophy and that science meet when we're thinking about the self. And in particular here, we're talking about the uh, lack of self, right? What? Yes, I know. Stay with me. Um, I think sometimes we need to consider that our personality is not like our skeleton, right? It's more like our wardrobe. And what I mean by that is there is a participation in what you perceive to be your self and what you perceive others to think of yourself and your response to that is the continued reconstructing of yourself whenever you think of that okay so instead of of like i said it's not like a skeleton or consider it not to be a skeleton consider it to be more like a wardrobe so it's not something that's just there and that you have to deal with it's more like something that you put on right choices are made things are put together and that is your self and so you're you're constantly reconstructing yourself every time you engage with certain thoughts, certain ideas, certain words, responses, habits, behaviors, all those types of things. But it's the reconstructing that's the point, right? It isn't set. There is no you. It's not, it's not a chunk of concrete there. Because if you were to change your thoughts and if you were to change your words and change your responses, change your habits, change your behaviors, then yourself, your personality, you would change too, right? And so, yes, perhaps we can just consider that you can change yourself because that self is not real. <laughs> is anybody still listening? <laughs> the nonsensical ramblings of loudmouth malcontent. I know, it's a bit of a head scratcher. There is this great article in uh, Big Think, bigthink.com. And the title of the article is Eastern Philosophy Says There Is No Self. Science Agrees. And there's this fabulous quote. The quote says, why are you unhappy? Because 99.9% .9 of everything you think and of everything you do is for yourself. And there isn't one. End quote. Dum, dum, dum. Anyway, if, if any of this, uh, you know, intrigues you or makes you go, what, huh? Read that article to, to, you know, flesh that out a little bit more. Uh, likewise, and similarly, if any of this tickles your, uh, curiosity bone, um, Professor Brian Lowry, Lowry, I don't know how to pronounce it. I don't know how to pronounce anything. Anyway, it's spelled L-O-W-E-R-Y. He wrote a book called Selfless uh, fairly recently. And it's more about the social creation of you, a capital U, um, capital Y-O-U, I should say. Uh, and and it's, it's, again, it's the same idea that you, there isn't a self, it's construction and it's you participating in it that makes yourself and da-da-da-da-da. 
anyway, most of this is just to suggest that, you know, you're, you're much more, um, you're much more capable of change than often we, we tend to think we are. Um, and so, you know, like I said, at the beginning of this episode, it's a great freedom, um, and something worthy of, of considering and exploring and giving yourself the, the right to, uh, and the, the time to wander around in that space, I think. Um, another thing to, to consider if you're sort of at this level in your, um, self-development stroke professional development space, um, if you, if, you know, in this conversation, you know, we're talking about the limitations of a label and maybe, maybe you have a personality that you're fine with. You don't, it doesn't get in your way. You have, um, healthy relationships. You have healthy boundaries. You don't find work, um, you know, wears you out or, or drags you down. Um, you have a, um, you have a good handle on emotions and responses and all that kind of thing. And if that's the case, fantastic. Um, you know, none of this is to suggest that everybody has to do something. Of course you don't. Um, what we're talking about most of the time is that if there, if there's something that's getting in your way and you have come to the point where you recognize it's getting in your way, either because somebody has told you or some buddies have told you, or, um, you're hitting a wall at work or something like that. Uh, or you've just figured it out on your own. You know, if there's something that's, that's inhibiting your growth and your development and it's in your personality, it's, you know, it's worthy of considering why it's there before you start trying to change it. Okay. If, if there's something in yourself that you don't like, figure out why it's there. When you work out how to respond differently and how to, to frame things differently and think and, and, um, behave differently, then that part of you will likely experience change. But, you know, until you can figure out what, what keeps it there, that's going to be really hard to do. Okay. And the other thing to bear in mind is that you need to want to change and you need to be able to change. Right. And this isn't, you know, me talking about like, you don't make enough money because you're not working hard enough. No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, um, change is really uncomfortable and sometimes it's, it's scary. And so, you know, we do all these sort of mental gymnastics to keep us doing the thing that even if we don't like it, we still do it because at least it's familiar. Right. Um, and likewise, sometimes your environment gets in the way of your change. So, uh, for example, if, if you think that you are just hot tempered because that's part of your personality quote, um, it's just me. It's just, that's just who I am. If that's what you say, potentially it's worth considering that it is not just who you are. It is a, a collection or a set of, of reactions and responses that you have learned in whatever environment you, you learn them from. And you are in an environment that is similar or that causes the same reactions because that's how you've learned how to cope, right? And that's how you've learned how to, I don't know, um, protect yourself or feel like you have some sort of control or whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know you. Um, but it's not because that's some essential part of you, right? We're back to this like learned thing. Okay. And so my point in all this is that you, you know, you obviously need to want to change 
but also you need to be in a place where you are able to, where you feel like that's available to you. Um, you know, even when you're obviously going to experience um, discomfort from change because change is uncomfortable. Um, and that leads me to my fin- final point. Change is deeply, deeply uncomfortable. I mean, toe curlingly so t- sometimes, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't, we shouldn't do it. Oh God, I was listening to this other podcast yesterday. Um, does anybody out there listen to Samantha B's podcast? She's got a new one called Choice Words. I love Samantha B so much personal hero. Um, anyway, she was talking to Katie Couric. If you're not American, you probably don't know who that is. Um, and that's fine anyway, but in their conversation and it ranged all over the place, but one of the things that, that, um, the guest said was when, when she was making a change in her career, it was, it was scary and it was, I don't know if I'm doing the right thing and all this kind of thing. And somebody had, had written a note to her or, or written on a card to her and said, um, it was something to the effect of boats are safe in a Harbor, but that's not what boats are for. So this idea that, that you're safe somewhere and in, in a personality type or in a behavior but you know that's not what what you're for. You know that's not what this job is for. Whatever it is, right? And you have, you've to, you've got to get it into the open water. You've got to change. It's uncomfortable. It's sometimes frightening, you know. Um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, right? Sometimes, sometimes we need professional support to to engage in all this. By the way, so I'm not suggesting that you sort of you know you can do complete personality overhaul and, um, I don't know, 30 days or less or whatever. No, some of it is, is, is so hard that it takes years and you need a therapist and guidance and all that kind of thing. But on the other hand, sometimes we're not doing the whole overhaul. We're just doing a little bit, right? And so you can think about things that, that you can do on an individual level that are that are going to just, you know, um, make a little change somewhere. For example, you can engage in a reframing practice, right? Um, at the end of a day, you write down three things that gave you either worry or jealousy or anger, shame, some negative emotion. Okay. And then you reconstruct that situation without your sense of self. And without filling in any blanks. So not why did he say that thing? What a dickhead. Just that thing. And when you when you sort of build up this practice, it doesn't have to be hugely long or awful or whatever. It just it becomes this space making exercise where you, you pull that self thing away from the actual event. And we're not trying to get you to be devoid of all emotion. What we're trying to do is just to, to stop the anxieties and the worries and the anguish and the suffering and all that kind of thing. Just put some space in there. Right. And it just becomes a lot less, a lot less painful. Really? Okay. 
Um, and once you get in the habit of that, and, and you do that practice for a while, you'll start to you'll start to feel familiar with that, and your brain will be able to do that with, you know, without having to go through the whole process, right? So you'll get a little that little bit of space between. You know, this thing happened and I feel all these things. And now I think all these things because I feel all these things and it all gets tangled up together. No, we're trying to put a little bit of space, pull all those things apart, put a little bit of space in between those, those, um, phenomena. Yeah. So yeah, advanced levels, consider thinking that yourself is a participation, um, and a construction and re reconstruction. Um, consider that you are able to change, but, you know, also be realistic about how hard that is or, or how scary that is or how environmentally that might be challenging. And that's all fair enough. It's just, you know, I don't want anybody out here getting annoyed with themselves because like I said, you can't do a personality, personality overhaul in five days. Um, and, and yeah, start putting some practice in to to pull those things, to put some spaces in between those, those things going off in your head. Okay. As it relates to, to your personality and to yourself. Right. I suppose this is, this is a very, this is a lot. I thought this was going to be a short episode. This is a lot to, to say that essentially when we apply labels like personalities, you know, I'm hot tempered or I'm disorganized or whatever it is. When we apply labels, um, they limit how we think about ourselves. They limit how we think about others. And then in work, they limit how we lead and how we manage and how we interact with others. And, you know, if, if that one of those limitations has come as the result of some mildly amusing personality test that doesn't actually have any good signs wrapped around it, then it's, it's, you know, that, um, illusion of knowledge getting in the way of, actual knowledge when, when there is so much out there that you could learn and apply and, and benefit from. Right. And so I offer you instead these ways to, to show yourself kindness and to seek, um, ways to grow and evolve into the complex human that you are in all your continuum based glory and to stay in those spaces so that you'll see true, positive, authentic development. That's, that's what, that's what I'm doing. Good job, professionals. You're doing great. Well, that was a lot of a lot. I want to thank you each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to this episode on the limitations of a label. Uh, if you are on the socials and you have found this episode of any use, please do share. Um, if you are on Twitter, please follow me at but I'm a profesh. Uh, I also have a sub stack, uh, Nancy Elizabeth, 
and I basically write out more or less um, what I talk about here. So uh, yeah, if you want to, to have an easy uh, clickable link to any of the stuff that I've talked about today, that would be in the Substack, for example. Uh, yes, well. Thanks for tuning in, you complex continuum-based conundrum, you. I hope you have a lovely week and good luck out there. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.